Welcome everyone to the In Focus podcast, where we talk with business leaders, thinkers, and innovators about data, how to simply unpack and make people feel good about data. We also squeeze in some new perspectives, inspiration, and ideas about business life. This podcast is created by the team at Focus Data Analytics with the aim of introducing you to people that we have met who have something to say. We hope that you enjoy these stories from the Focus community. Feel free to share this In Focus podcast with others. Welcome to the In Focus podcast. Today, I'm excited to have as our guest Focus customer, Mr. Kip Miller, President and CEO of Eastern Industrial Supplies, headquartered in Greenville, South Carolina. Hello and welcome, Kip. Well, hello. It's uh, great to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Easton is an independently owned distributor of pipe, valves, fittings and commercial plumbing products. Easton has 18 branches and two support locations across the southeastern United States. Kip, your career has been about building Easton. Could you give us an overview of your involvement and history with the company? Absolutely. Um, I came to work here in September of 1980, just right out of the university. I I graduated at the end of 79, had difficulty finding a job. We were on the threshold of a recession in the States, and only new startup companies were hiring. And so I had someone helping me find a job. We called them headhunters, and they were calling new startup companies and called Eastern, and Eastern was six months old. And they were looking to hire their first sales training. So um, I was the person and I was excited to have a job. And I started in the warehouse learning uh, the product and just learning the business. And I loved everything about it. And that's how I got started in the industry, just right out of uh, the university. And can you tell us about the the time um, after that when you took over the business, Kip? Yeah, so um, we had two owners, and we had also started a uh, another company, which uh, sold specialized products in the same field as Eastern Industrial. And in 1985, uh, a lot of things transpired in those first five years, but in um, November of 85, the two owners decided to split the companies, and the man who hired me uh, was the man who was going to lead Eastern Industrial, the pipe valve fitting company. And he chose me. And so I was uh, happy that he did so. Um, And he made me vice president in charge of sales. He was in charge of administration. And um, I was 28 years old. Uh, I was um, given more control of our culture. At that time, we called it our working environment. And I was very pleased about that. In April of 1986, uh, the owner I was working for became ill and He offered me a buy-sell agreement in the event of his death. I could purchase his stock. Eight months later, um, he had a massive heart attack and he he passed. And so I received a phone call letting me know that and that uh, I was the new owner. And um, I was had just turned 29 and just had our second child, a 10-week-old son, and um, was basically given. I tell people God gave me a company. I was a young person, didn't have the money to start the company, certainly wasn't uh, prepared to run a company. I'm still not. Um, 
But um, we had 12 or 13 people, about $3 million in sales. And um, wow, that was a, a very uh, pivotal point in my life. I bet that is a lot. That is a lot at the at the tender age of of twenty nine, and you've been in the working in the business now for um for for forty years, forty one years. Um, Correct. Looking looking back, Kip, what what are some of the major milestones or turning points um in the business? Well, uh, well, for me personally, uh, working in the early eighties, I was thrilled to have a job. Um, but the culture, the environment was not something that um, I liked being a part of, and I, I really was looking to leave uh, the company. Um, but as fate would have it, uh, no one was hiring, or at least they weren't hiring me. And so I, I stayed with the company. And then, um, of course, when the company separated, uh, that was a lot of freedom for me in that, um, based on personnel, and um, gave me a lot more control of the culture. So um, being a young owner at 87, there's a lot um, in 1987 at the age of 29, there's a lot to learn. Obviously we were uh, discovered that we were in a, a horrible financial condition um, and I couldn't get in any bank to um, loan us money. We were factoring money uh, at 24% interest. The prime rate in the States at that time was 21%. So we had a $700,000 line of credit and it was maxed out. And there was about $350,000 worth of unsigned checks that were passed due. So um, a lot of pressure, prayed every day that uh, I wouldn't make a mistake. That prayer, uh, I'm sure I made mistakes, but nothing that uh, was major that caused us to uh, tilt uh, over on the side. And we were able to survive. Um, just learning about the, the, the business world for what it really was, being in the seat of a president, just seeing how some people operated um, without morals or ethics. Um, that, that was uh, very challenging uh, for me, but nonetheless, uh, I've got, uh, I received an education from the university, but I received real education on the job, uh, learning about people and um, how to operate a company and operate a business. And so um, that was a, certainly a major milestone. Um, after um, I took over, um, it wasn't long after to one of our favored uh, customers received a big project and um, they said, we want to give it to Eastern. So that big project really helped uh, propel us uh, to help pay some of the debt. And then it just really was a launching pad for us uh, to transition. And so from 1987 to about the year 2000, I really focused on making money, uh, trying to get us out of debt. People, of course, were important. Uh, I wished I had put a lot more importance on people as I have uh, uh, known to do since around the year 2000. But we uh, began to we do an annual survey and our people, as we grew and we spread out to different markets, uh, our people said we're losing our family atmosphere, and our family culture. And that was very important to me. And I didn't really know what to do about it. And uh, uh, we were expanding one of our buildings and 
meeting with the, the contractor and we had a moment or two and we were just uh, a break and we're talking. He said, what keeps you up at night? And that's what I said. Well, our employees think we're losing our family culture. And he said, well, hey, I used to work with this company and they provided uh, workplace chaplains, kind of like the military. Um, and they just come in and make friends with people. And it's a voluntary participation. It's confidential. And out of all the benefits we had, uh, that was the the last benefit that we would ever give up. And so I contacted that company. And in 2002, we rolled out a um, uh, the chaplain service to all of our people. And I say that was a big pivotal moment uh, for us because um, that not only met a need, but it really launched uh, today what we call Eastern Cares. Um, and um, it is just really having a positive impact on the lives of people. And that's a whole nother story, but that was a very pivotal moment um, when our people were saying we're losing our family culture, our environment. Yeah, it's fascinating, Kip. I know that um, that you that you have on your Instagram, um, your LinkedIn rather. Um, of all the places I've been, I've never met a person who didn't want to be cared for. We have a great opportunity to have a positive impact on people everywhere. Is that your own quote? Yeah, it is. That's one thing I've noticed as I have traveled uh, some different countries and traveled here in the States. I've never met a person that didn't want somebody to care for them or some people say love them or be a friend to them. Um, Now, I've met people I didn't think cared, but, um, you know, we all have that need uh, that we've been born with that we need to interact with other people. We need to fellowship need to be loved, cared, whatever word that you want to use. And so if that's true, then why don't we as a business owner or as a business, we try to meet those needs? Why don't we show that we care about people? And who do we start with? We start with our own associates, our own employees. We want to show them that we care. We, we want to provide chaplains. We want to provide them with great benefits. We want to make a positive difference in their lives. And provide the number of things that we do through um, Eastern Cares, but not only provide for those in our company, but really give back to our communities because life is more about selling pipe valves, fittings, or plumbing. But what can we give back to make our communities a better place in which to live? So whether people uh, help with habitat building homes or they work at an emergency shelter or the Girl and Boys Club, whatever they might do, uh, we try to support that, and we, we do it with our own physical hands. And then we care about our country. We want to uh, uh, do the right thing, pay our taxes, go to Washington, speak to the politicians, let them know what, what we think, what we feel, support when there's a natural disaster, provide relief where we can. And then the other uh, is, is cultures, just cultures around the world. And so We've had a 15-year partnership caring for people in Tanzania with an indigenous nonprofit nonprofit group there where we support an orphanage, a children's home, and a secondary school, and about five or six different businesses there. So, you know, it's uh, reaching around the world. You, you, you know, you, you we can't touch everybody, but we can touch somebody. We can touch someone. So and that's what we try to do with our caring. And those family values that you're employees said 
you were losing back um, pre-2000 when, when you were more focused on profits and other things. How do they play out in the, you know, in the cut and thrust of business? What behaviours and values do you see um, alive in, in your workplace, Kip? I think it, at that time, it was uh, interaction. Uh, we all were a single location. So we were able to have picnics in my backyard where the children came over and we played together and we played games and we were just able to do a lot of fun things together. And, and as we began to move out into different markets and people um, uh, moved away from a single location to multiple locations, we couldn't as easily do that. And so I had to try to replicate the culture in each one of those locations with the leader in that location, like we did when we were single location. So it was more feeling community, feeling connected, um, knowing that, knowing the person that you worked for, um, interacting with people. Um, I learned that, you know, I used to hold my cards really close to my vest and not share a lot about me or my life with others. And it made me seem like I was not a real person. And so it was sharing stories and being more transparent uh, uh, with my life and with business and, hey, let people know, I, I, hey, I've made some mistakes. And these are the things that's happened in my family or, you know, I'm, you know, like I'm a normal person. And as business owners, sometimes we can appear aloof and, um, you know, we all know we're in a glass house, but uh, it's just being transparent with our people, letting them know that we're real just like they are. And that, that we're not sitting on a throne somewhere and trying to lord over people, but we're serving people. That's what we're here to do as leaders is serve others. And I think that's all that, you know, they just begin to miss that connectivity. Yes, yes. And I understand that you actually have documented um, 28 fundamentals that guide behavior at Easton. Don't actually putting something in writing and being able to share that with new starters or have it there on people's desks as a reminder. Um, I want to ask you about how important is, is the actual act of documenting that? And when did you do that? And did you write the fundamentals, Kip? How, how did they come about? Well, the foundation of the fundamentals came from our five core values that really I just had stuffed away in my mind the first six years with the company. And I felt in, in the six va the five values of those six years were honesty, tell the customer the truth. Don't tell the customer what you think they want to hear. And I heard that done. I heard us say what what we thought needed to be said to get a purchase order. And and um I saw customers damaged because when you're dishonest with a person, they're your victim. So we need to be honest and tell the customer the truth, even if it hurts and we lose an order. And then it's to be an integrity. Integrity is just where your words and your actions both align. They both tell the same story. And we want to be people of integrity. Third is to care. And I've, I've gone into that. Fourth is be self-responsible. Uh, there's a crisis of that in America of self-responsibility. Everybody points fingers. And used to say, if you point a finger here, you're not going to be moving up because we have 20 locations, 20 different facilities, and um, we need responsible people. And then the other core value was just be positive. We live in a negative world, and, and we want to make a positive difference, so our attitude needs to be positive. 
it's been said that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you respond. So we need to be careful how we respond to all the negative stimulus that is around us. So when I would visit our locations uh, once a quarter, I would talk about one of those values. I would talk about one of those words. Well, those words, no matter how much I talked about it, meant different things to different people, depending on how they were raised and where they lived, what part of the country they lived. So um, we said, you know what? We need to be clearer. How can we clarify exactly what we want, what we mean when we talk about those five values? So five years ago, we sat down, a group of us, and we put whiteboard, write sheets all over the wall. You know, what is it that we're looking for? What do these five core values mean? And so we came away with 28 fundamentals. They're called fundamentals. They're called principles. They're called practices. You may have heard of Ritz-Carlton. They used this something like this years ago. They call them basics. But um, they're really well-written, very clear fundamentals that, that tell us how we are to behave when we're at Eastern. And I encourage people in their personal lives to do these too. Uh, from anywhere from giving back to caring deeply to practice blameless problem solving to uh, be relentless about improvement, uh, to take care of the customer, be positive, to keep things fun. Those are just a sample of those 28, and we put well-defined words about them in this language. And I tell people that's who we are, and it's what we do. So every person that comes to work at Eastern is in, indoctrinated into this culture. And when I rolled it out, I said, either you're going to live this out, and you're going to move in the direction of Eastern, or you're going to move in another direction, and that's your choice. But this is who we are. And when we all get this, we're going to have a world-class culture. And you're going to enjoy your job so much more. We're not there yet. We have this. But until we start living it out every day, until we take our five core values off the wall and put them on the floor and live them out every day, we're not going to be a world-class company. So let's get it. And this is your report card. Here's the answers. Here's what you need to do to be a model Eastern associate who moves up in our company. So that, that's uh, how it began and kind of where we are today with these behaviors and principles. I love that, Kit. It's culture with conviction. Um, I really liked the one. I think one of them is uh, check your ego at the door. Um, and is there one about caring for customers in the environment? Uh, yeah, well, there's one that says take care of the customer. Yes, yeah. And so when you're running a company how or managing and you have a lot of people in different locations, how are the, when you say we put them on the floor and you, I guess you walk the talk, you know, you have to, it's, it's what you do, it's not what you say. How are the positive behaviours recognised or um, what you don't want to see, how is that? Um, observed and dealt with when sometimes when you're a manager, you can't see everything that's going on. And how do you find examples in the business of, of what's working and what's not? Well, one thing that you have to do when you create these fundamentals or any kind of culture is you have to be ritualistic and you have to repeat them over and over and over. 
Someone has said that you have to say something 13 times for the person to hear it the first time. And so every week we have one of these behaviors that we focus on. And so we send out a Monday morning email uh, from one of our associates, not necessarily me, uh, with that fundamental of the week. And then we'll attach a video or a story, short, very short, 60 minutes, 60 seconds, that we send to everybody in our company on Monday morning. And we say, we want you to read this. Get your week started off with your fundamental. Then every meeting that you have at work with three or more people, we want you to start with a fundamental. If you're meeting with a customer, if you're meeting with a vendor, or you're just having an employee meeting, if it's three or more people, you start off with this fundamental. And it's amazing um, where meetings go when you start with this. You know, customers or, or vendors will say, did you, did you pick this one out just for me? And we said, no. We, we do these systematically, one a week. This is the one this week. And then our managers have a, have a coaching book. They have coaching questions uh, that they can ask that will further deepen and dive into the fundamental. So Monday morning, we do it. Then every time we have a meeting of three or more, and then every Wednesday at 10 a.m., um, each associate gets a quiz centered around the fundamental of the week, and they have multiple choice answers, A, B, C, or D. And then they have to pick what they feel like is the best answer. And then those answers are recorded, and we get a, um, we get a, um, a Sunday morning report um, from um, our culture-wise. So we see who did what, where, when, um, and on occasion, we've held people accountable uh, who are not participating. Maybe they have a wrong email address. They're not sure about what this is, um, whatever the case may be. And um, we, uh, we don't uh, penalize anybody for it. But if they're not working, if they're not living out the behavior, it's very noticeable. And how do we gauge that? Twice a year, we interact with each, our managers, with each one of their people that report to them. And um, their performance centers around the Eastern way. So um, the uh, manager supervisor has to select two fundamentals the person is really good at and the statewide. And then two fundamentals that they need to work on and then statewide. And then there's a few other places where you can make comments about their performance or whatever. But those things are kept in the file. And so we keep up with that. I see every one of those forms of, of um, people who report directly to me. And if I were a regional manager, I would receive every one of those uh, reports from managers on down to the people. And I have to approve those. So uh, management is looking at um, throughout the organizational structure, uh, everybody's response. It's impossible for me to look at everyone's, but everybody is being, everybody's is being reviewed by a supervisor or manager. Kip, it sounds like you have a great process um, and system set up for really keeping those uh, culture, cultural um, values, you know, in check and alive in the business. Um, I'm really interested for you to ask how people behaving in, in those positive, caring, um, considerate ways actually has impacted on your business performance? Well, um, they certainly see that it's a difference. Um, 
you know, our, our competitors, uh, anyone can sell the same products that we do. Um, anyone can have the same price that we do. But one thing that's really hard to replicate in any company is its people and its culture. And so we invest heavily in our culture and in our people and doing the right thing for the right reason at the right time. Um, if our people don't do those things, it's not because they don't know that they should. And so if they don't, that's quickly uh, recognized by a customer or a vendor. And uh, I might receive an occasional call that we're not living up to the behaviors that we state that we are. And that those are very, very, very rare, but they do occur because we are not perfect and we are not world-class, but we are working on being world-class and you know, a lot of younger people today really want to know that you have a purpose that's greater than selling products, um, no matter what our service, no matter what it might be. And so we did that long before we knew that that would be a competitive advantage in, in, in caring back in the year 2000, 2002, when we launched it, um, developing a partnership with uh, the children in Tanzania 15 years ago. Um, We've had a great purpose, and I tell our—I told our—I would tell our people, look, we're working for a purpose bigger than us because every month the, the company and some of our employees uh, participate individually are sending the majority of the money it takes to operate the orphanage and children's home there in Tanzania. So you're having an impact on people that were literally picked up um, on the side of the road, maybe with the placenta still attached to their body. And I said, so you're giving somebody hope who has zero. And so we're working for that every month. And, you know, that, that, that is, um, that is a real difference maker. And, you know, we go on an annual trip to Tanzania. Uh, we, uh, we, of course, we haven't been able to go the, the last year or two due to COVID, but um, when our people go over, uh, we, we usually send eight to 10 people over. And when they go over, they come back, change people seeing that we have things so great in the States and the, the need is so great there. Um, and, and they really come back and work harder and, you know, around that purpose of being able to support uh, individuals like that in Tanzania. Yes. Uh, and um, I bet that that would be life-changing and Kip, um, your Employee retention is is very is is strong at Easton. Um, can you outline some of the programs that you've apart from the culture? Um, how does how does having those values actually translate into programs to to retain people? I did hear one about when you were lo losing people from. The, who were drivers or um, from the, the, the distribution centres and you put a program in place to sort of re-skill them. Um, could you tell us about some of those examples? Well, we focused um, around that particular area. We, we began to let everybody know in our company, if you work at Eastern, you are in sales and service. So we didn't have salespeople and truck drivers or warehouse people. We are all selling and serving. And the reason we exist is because our customers have a need. And if we don't provide 
that need in a timely, accurate, price efficient, invoice effective fashion, then they can go and buy this product anywhere they choose to. So it's up to you and to me for them to choose Eastern. And it's not because of KIPP. It's not because of any owner. It's not because of a company name. It's because of people. People buy from people. Uh, there's a lot said about B2B, business to business, but we believe we're in the H to H business, human to human. And so we want to touch people's lives. We want to have a positive impact. Having a positive impact is taking care of the customer, helping them be successful at whatever job they're doing, providing parts and pieces or technical expertise, uh, catalogs, whatever they may need to be able to do their job most effectively. Um, that, that's, what we, that's what we say. And everybody in our company has an opportunity to move up in the, in the, in the company. Um, we've had people who have started here and we've highlighted that to let, let uh, some who think they might not can advance here say, look, um, we, would, we would take and feature an individual who came to work at Eastern driving a truck and now they were the top salesman in the company or someone who had worked in receiving who was now working in the corporate office and accounts receivable. And so we would highlight those stories and we, would be, we began to post every job opening we had on our system, our ERP system, so that uh, everybody could know that they could apply for jobs, that, that it's okay. I mean, if you want to move up, tell us what you'd like to do. And we have a training program where if somebody wants to move from, uh, say, a truck driver to warehouse, we have training modules that will prepare them for that in advance. Um, if they want to move from the warehouse to sell something that will train them, we have modules that will train them up for that. So we just put a lot of initiatives around anybody in the company can move up. Anybody's got a chance to be president, literally. And so, you know, we, 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 we love to promote from within. Uh, that's our best resource for any job opening we have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's their great philosophy to have. It must be very motivating for people working there. I want to move now to talk about your marketplace, and I want to ask you what's changed in the wholesale distribution um, space in the last five years in in your pipe, you know, in your um, uh, pipe valve and fitting area or in wholesale distribution generally? What, what trends are you seeing, Kip? Well, over the last five years, of course, a trend toward e-commerce. The wholesale supply industry is owned by a lot of family independent distributors like ourselves. They are some national chains, but we, um, our industry seems to be 10 years behind uh, most other industries when it comes to technology. So uh, big transformation is creating e-commerce sites. Um, biggest the trans the, uh, the the thing is causing all that movement is of course um, the digital firestorm that's raging. And so you you um, you know if you want to remain green in a digital firestorm, you better start moving and learning a lot about technology, digitalization. Um, how can you um, use software, analytics, numbers, data, tools 
to generate additional income as well as make you more proficient, efficient in, in your operations in uh, customer service, providing uh, them services electronically where they can run some of their own reports, look at their own accounts, see their own price books, et cetera. So I, I would think that's the biggest uh, thing that has changed in our industry is moving more toward uh, technology and analytics and digitalization. Well, that's good news for Focus. Uh, <laughs> and um, I know that you've been been using Focus for several years. Um, what are the main benefits? I mean, you've just outlined some of the benefits. Do, does everyone in at Eastern have access to, to data to help them in their jobs? Certainly, um, I guess, well, even the drivers have access to technology through um, maps. Um, but I say not, you know, really we, for our salespeople and our administrative people, uh, we can run multiple reports using Focus uh, to look at really whatever data that we'd like to extract from our ERP system and break down, um, you know, uh, one of the things we use is a, a lot of pricing data and how can we uh, um, put, a, put emphasis on um, margin, uh, gross profit dollars, where we can look at a uh, activity-based uh, accounting so we can see the cost to serve a customer it helps us to determine what is an ideal customer. What is it we need to look for? What is it we need to provide? Um, there's just so many multiple facets and so many different people touches with data, um, but not every single person has access to it. Got you. And and Kip, do you, do, across the business, can do you ever change your course of action based on the data that you're seeing in focus? Um, absolutely. Uh, we, we use that data to um, know what our return on sales are for um, a, a given location. Um, we can also use activity-based cost accounting in focus to look at individual customers. Um, we can track uh, things like uh, the number of shipments, the number of purchase orders, uh, the prices charged, the cost. Um, it's really endless, the amount of, of data that's available uh, through Focus uh, that we, we can use. Um, and, and we're trying to create some reports now where we can look at our salespeople and see, you know, who are each individual salesperson's most profitable customer or where they have opportunities to um, move them to a profitable state. Yes, yep, that's so important. I'm excited about our conversation we've, because we've, we're covering things that um, we're so passionate about at Focus, which are culture and data analytics. But um, just in, in closing off, I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, what has been the most satisfying aspect of, of your working life? Um, just being able to try to provide someone with a job. Um, we have 300 and 30 or 40 families uh, here at Eastern. And so 
we're helping provide them with income so that they can provide for their families. Uh, the better we do, the better that they can do and the more that they can be able to offer their family. But um, being able to have, provide a paycheck is, is great. Have a job is great. Uh, but we set out to have an impact on people's uh, mind, body, and spirit. We think that all three of those holistically are important. And we have a lot of initiatives, just a lot of things the company provides that, that really focuses on those three areas. And so when, when you see um, those things working and being effective in people's lives, there's really a lot of satisfaction. It's not really how many dollars we've sold or how many locations we set, we, we, have, we have opened or um, it, how many people work here. It, it's about really our win is when have we had a really a positive difference in somebody's life? When have we really made, really made a difference? And uh, that, that's, what, that's a true win for us when there's a real life-changing difference. Kip, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to hear about um, your, your philosophy and your values and your business at Easton. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to meet you. The same here. Thank you so much, Angela. If I can help you in any other way, be sure to let me know. Thank you, Kip. Thanks for joining us at the In Focus podcast. To find all other episodes, go to www.focussoftware/podcast. And to be up to date with the new ones as they drop, follow Focus on LinkedIn, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.